Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Consulting with Authority. This is your host, Scott Cantrell, uh, joined by a new friend of mine. Uh, this is someone that I met a number of weeks ago, and our first conversation was was fantastic as far as I'm concerned. I hope he would agree. Uh, but it seemed like uh, this would be an incredibly worthwhile person to have on the show, on the podcast. And I'm so excited that he was willing to carve out some time today uh, for this interview. Uh, Eric Jensen is the co-owner of Predictive ROI, a seven-figure marketing agency helping businesses monetize their position of authority. So definitely something close to my heart. A business owner since age 14, Eric began his entrepreneurial journey via a national juggling business that took him and his brother around the country. That sounds like a story we've got to hear about. And he's now the chief strategy officer at Predictive ROI. Eric developed the podcasting strategy that made the agency over $2 million which was featured in the book Profitable Podcasting, which is going to be one of the next things that I purchase. So, um, Eric, thank you so much for being on. So glad to have you. Glad to be here, Scott. And yes, I feel the same way about our first conversation. It was awesome. Uh, and it got me really excited to, uh, to spend more time uh, having a chance to talk with you. And, and I believe we've even got more conversations lined up after this to, we do. to continue the conversation more. So it'll be good. We do. I'm, I'm really excited to see how we might be able to, uh, to certainly stay in touch, but collaborate and potentially work together. It's super exciting. Right. Um, Love so, being able to find other people who look at the same audience we do, but do it in a, in a different way, yeah. um, in, in a way that, uh, you know, Pam Slim, she calls it peanut butter and jelly relationships, right? Right. Uh, competitive uh, or uh, complementary, but not competitive. Yep. Um, and so it's it's awesome to be able to, uh, to have, like I said, have this conversation. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, I, you know, I think so much in our world is dependent upon this idea of of finding those strategic partners, right, and establishing those types of networks. Number one, obviously, from a business development standpoint, it makes you know, our job easier in terms of finding opportunity and cultivating opportunity, but it also just makes business a whole lot more fun <laughs> when you've got other people to work with the same clients on or share opportunities or ideas or strategies. So anyway, that's one of the reasons I'm doing this podcast is it, it compels me to build out my network of wonderful people and very thoughtful expert people like yourself. So, um, you know, honestly, I don't know if we'd be talking if it wasn't for someone encouraging me to start a podcast, you know, pretty much at the beginning of the pandemic. So, so glad that they did that because now I get to talk to you. Yeah. And I mean, you know, the same is true for us. Uh, we, we've uh, run now two podcasts. The first one, uh, we actually just uh, stopped producing new episodes just a little bit ago, but you know, we were over 1100 episodes in on, on that podcast. Um, and so we've got, you know, almost 1100, not quite, I think it's closer to 900, um, you know, it's a big number, Eric. <laughs> yeah, it's a big number, right? 900 relationships that came out of, uh, that work and that experience and man, uh, we're, we're so grateful for it every day that, cool. that we have that, that network. Well, excellent. And that's a great segue into where I wanted to begin, which was just learning a little bit about your origin story, which sounds like there's more to it than even we had a chance to dive into on our on our first couple of conversations. <laughs> so I want to hear about how you got to where you are with predictive ROI, a little about your career trajectory and story. Um, and then from there, we'll we'll start to profile the firm and a little bit about what you do and, and take the conversation from there. Awesome. Sounds good. Well, I'll be, be really brief, although I, I will mention the, the juggling thing just because everybody has a little bit of curiosity around that, but I uh, grew up a little bit strange. And, and so uh, one of the things that our family did uh, was historical reenacting. Um, and so we traveled all over the country doing that. Uh, and at one point, a friend of ours uh, taught my brother and I how to juggle. And we were helping our parents out at these events, but not necessarily getting paid. Uh, we said, hey, you know what? We could go do this. We thought it was fun. We made like $25 the first day. Uh, and we barely knew how to juggle. We did it like an hour before. We learned an hour before. And we're like, <laughs> we want to do this. That's a great, uh, that, that that is speed of implementation and speed of monetization. That's impressive. Right. Yeah. So, uh, so it was great. And, uh, and we just continued to practice and, and it did, we were, we were very fortunate. It, it ended up taking us all around the country for, uh, well over a decade, um, as, as we, as we traveled and got to meet lots of great people and experience, 
uh, all sorts of great uh, stories. And uh, so it was good. So uh, it was during that time I was also going to college. And, and so uh, I was able to meet my business partner when I was in college. He and I worked together on a couple of different projects. Um, and Stephen really impressed me with his generosity, with his kindness, um, and, and with his willingness to put himself out on a limb and use his personal resources to be able to help other people. And I was like, okay, this is, this is a guy that I want to be able to spend more time with. Uh, he eventually gave me a call and asked, uh, if I would like to step in, uh, to predictive with him. Um, and honestly, if anybody else had given me that call, I would have said no, but with him, I was like, yeah, all right. I'm willing to give this a try. Cool. Uh, and that was uh, 12 years ago. Wow. Yeah. So uh, Predictive has gone through a lot of different iterations uh, as a business over time. Um, and, and some of those iterations are still really deeply at the core of who we are. Some of those iterations, not so much. Um, but overall, the lessons learned along the way, um, I, I would have loved to have shortened the learning curve. Don't get me wrong. But I, I don't know um, if, if we hadn't been through some of right. those experiences, if we would be able to, to look at the world and our business and our clients and the problems that we help solve uh, in nearly the same light. So yeah. because we can say, hey, we've been there when it sucks. Right. We've, we've been there when it feels like everything is falling apart. We've been there when uh, you make really bad strategic or tactical decisions. Uh, we've been there when teams aren't jiving. We've been there through all of those things. So um, again, shortening learning curve would have been lovely, but at the same time, by having gone through all of that, we can really come to the work with a lot more empathy and understanding um, and practical knowledge of how to, how to work around it um, than, than if we had just read about it in a book. Yeah, absolutely. That makes perfect sense. So over that 12 years, Predictive has grown. Predictive has evolved, obviously. Um, oh, yeah. Today, uh, tell us a little about the nature of predictive ROI, the, the kind of how the firm works, the, the specific types of organizations and individuals you guys work with as your clients, and the nature of the work that you do. You know, what, what is it, what types of services and outcomes are you guys producing for those that you serve? Yeah, so I'll, I'll start with kind of the, the elevator pitch, um, okay. and then I'll, I'll go through and actually kind of explain a little bit more what that means. But we, we help agencies, coaches, and consultants build a position of thought leadership and then monetize it, okay? Um, and, and the reason why we do that work is because we've done our own primary research. We've worked with researchers. We've, uh, we've reviewed a lot of other uh, research. We've been involved as partners on other research. Like, so we really like to dive into this stuff and make sure that we're not just making assumptions. And, and we know that agencies, coaches, and consultants, um, if they have a position of authority, they're going to get paid more. They have shorter sales cycles and their clients will stay with them longer, yep. right? So all of that ultimately gets to you get, you get sales faster, you make more money and you make more money longer, which yeah. from, from a business side is really, really important, right? So we're, uh, we're big fans of building businesses around monthly reoccurring revenue. Um, and if I do reference that in the future, I'll probably call it MRR. So for anybody that is, doesn't know what MRR means, it is monthly reoccurring revenue. Um, some folks still call that retainer based. Um, we don't, we don't love that language and honestly, clients don't like that language either. So if you're still using that as, as part of your language, I would probably excise that and, and replace it with some other term. Um, and so all of that really goes well with, with authority. And the reason we, we like authority positioning and, and monetization is because we think most businesses go about sales from the wrong end of the funnel mm. and they make it incredibly painful, incredibly difficult and incredibly stressful. Um, and so what, and, and they also tend to have a bit of a feast and a famine model when it comes to their biz dev, right? right. Mm -hmm. So they don't have business. They, you know, get out there, they beat the bushes, they do the cold calls, they go to the events, they tap every resource they've got and lo and behold, it works. Right. And because you know, put enough effort in and, and that is going to work. Right. Um, unfortunately, sometimes they also like lower prices or give deals or things like that in order to fill their sales funnel too, but that's a different issue. Um, so they get the business. Awesome. And then they're super busy 
And what drops off? All of those things that got them the business. Exactly. And so when that business then goes away, oh, then they're back down into the trough again. Uh, and they're in a position where they, they've got to do all of that activity over and over again, um, which, as you can imagine, makes it really difficult to build and scale a business and a team. It also makes it really difficult to sleep well at night. <laughs> um, and, and it makes it nearly impossible to plan more than you know a short time ahead. Mm-hmm. Or even if you do make the plans, can you, you make keep- right? You make the plans in kind of the height of the moment where you're like, "Yeah, we're kicking butt. We're we're going to do this. This is going to be no problem." And and you forget about the troughs, uh, mm-hmm. and you pretend that the troughs will never come again, even though you're not really paying attention to what causes the troughs in the first place. Yep. Which means, of course, they're going to come again. Mm-hmm. So we really help businesses uh, go about it three ways. One is make sure that they've got the strategy in place for how they're going to, how they're going to niche down, plant their flag, uh, become an authority and what, what niche they need to be focused in where they can, they can really do great work. And then we help them build what we call their cornerstone content. That might be a book that might be research that might be podcast series like you're using that might be video series that might be blog series, but whatever it is, cornerstone content is something that is consistent meaty and not a one trick pony. And we can, we can dive into that later if that's, if that's useful, yeah. uh, but just know like cornerstone content is something very specific. It's not just, Oh, it's the thing that we happen to do for general marketing. It's done differently uh, in order for it to qualify as being cornerstone content. Gotcha. And then once they've built that, then we really help them leverage it. So um, many organizations, and I hope no one that's listening feels like I am attacking them. Uh, but many organizations will send out their monthly newsletter twice a year, or they will <laughs> start and stop their video series so often that it's it's really haphazard. Um, or they'll they'll you know launch a new social media platform and they'll put three posts on it. Yeah. Um, whatever that whatever that happens to be, that pattern is pretty universal across. Or they'll write the book, right? They they go through all the effort, or they do the research. They give they give birth to this, right? Yep. Um, and then they're so tired afterwards, and and after maybe the launch of it, that then they cease to leverage it as content. And so uh, the third way that we really help organizations is to take that cornerstone content and leverage it over the course of a year, right, yep. or more. Um, and so uh, and you know. Obviously, that is easily said. It's not necessarily easily done, um, but we've got a lot of practice in doing those things and knowing how to make these processes as smooth as possible um, so that the organizations we work with no longer have to feel like they're the cobbler's kids. Yep. Yep. And I've certainly been there myself more than once. So, yeah, I mean, I guess we all have, right? If we We all have, right. Amen. Yep. Um, So before we dive into content really quick, just... Can you, and you certainly don't have to give specific price or anything because it may be based on, on yeah, you know, different we'll you clients prices. that you, it's for clients you work with. Um, but when you engage with a client, um, whether it's a consultant, an agency, a coach, what types of engagements are you guys doing with them? It sounds like a standard engagement. And the reason I'm asking, right, to kind of profile predictive ROI so that people can kind of see what you guys are doing. But it yeah. sounds like your standard engagement is probably at least a year long. Um, and there's a process for that, checking off those three primary boxes, you know, strategy from a niche and an authority standpoint. Um, the second piece around building the cornerstone content, which takes time if they don't have anything already. Uh, and then uh, leveraging that content, whether it's repurposing or changing the form of it, and then actually getting it out into the world in a meaningful way. Um, you have different way, different types of engagements you guys work with clients. Is it pretty much the process is the process, but how much we do for a client may vary. Kind of just give us a quick 411 on that. Yeah, absolutely. So from a strategy standpoint, we basically have kind of two basic offerings. Um, one of them is our million dollar roadmap. This is a really, this is kind of, um, a mix of do it yourself and coaching. Okay. Um, but you know, it's a, it's a thousand dollars a month. It has access to all sorts of training stuff. It has, has access to weekly, uh, group calls. It has access to all of the monthly, uh, teach and dues. 
Um, and it has access to as many calls as they want with, with myself or our other coaches um, to be able to work through the stuff. Okay. But it's a little bit more of a self-paced. Um, and then what we have is we have sprints. Uh, and right now those are, uh, those are 90 days. They're $10,000. Um, although that price is going to be going up. Um, but it is one-on-one -on -one every week. Um, where we dig deep into everything around the strategy uh, and you come away with content blueprint, uh, you come away with, you know, a visualized through your business plan. You've got, you know, your SWOT analysis taken care of. You've got like a lot of these things ready to go and visualized for you. Um, because if you do the work and you just have it on a piece of paper that you never look at again, or so dense that you don't read it, uh, and ends up not actually being helpful. So, so we help take that from, from their head, get it down on paper. Once it's down on paper, then we actually visualize it so that the, the, the organization is able to run with it. Yeah. And so um, implementation can actually happen as opposed to right, exactly. staying where it is. Yeah. Right. So at that point, if someone wants to run with it on their own, they can run with it on their own. We're, we're good with that. Like sure. we're, we're totally happy to help them on that too. Um, and then, and then if, if they do want to move into the build side, that is a little bit different depending on what it is that you want to build. Right. Yeah. So if you want to build a podcast platform, um, you know, that's, that's pretty straightforward. Uh, again, that's about $10,000. If you want to go all the way through like research or writing a book that you haven't even concepted, um, those prices do uh, increase sure. simply because of the amount of time, effort, resources, um, and, and other, um, you know, specialists that we bring in to be able to make um, those pieces of cornerstone content the best that they are. Right. So for instance, let's say just use primary research as an example. A lot of people don't think about the fact that, all right, well, you got to have someone who's really good at writing research questions, like statistically valid questions. Right. You got to have someone who can actually get you that audience. Now, maybe you have that audience, but maybe you don't. And you need to be able to purchase panels or you need to be able to partner with others to be able to, to you know, get those participants. Then you need someone who can, you know, look at the research and find out what is statistically relevant out of the data and then turn that data into information, which is, again, where uh, if you're doing this on your own, it gets a little bit tricky. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of different specialties that come into that. And then you have writers and designers enabled in order to be able to make, you know, the, the executive summaries, you've got web designers and, and backend technicians in order to build everything for websites and lead funnels and everything off of that. Um, and so we, we help kind of facilitate all of that through, I'm just using research as an example. Mm -hmm. um, each of these, each of these builds have, have their own, uh, special set of requirements and, and talents that we bring in to make sure it gets done. Understood. So it sounds like you guys have different programs, more or less for any size, shape, agency, coach, consultant. I mean, maybe the ones who are just getting started might, might struggle a little bit, but right. once they have it, once they have some sort of established business, and they're ready to they're ready to go to the next level. You know, right. it sounds if, like there's a program or opportunity where you guys can engage. If they are, if they're less than a million dollars in revenue, I would really recommend that probably the area that they're likely to be struggling in is going to be best served by a million dollar roadmap or sprint. Right. Um, because and and I know that this is a generalization, and and maybe you're you're you know, the listeners uh have all this stuff figured out. Oftentimes we find that the strategy is, is so murky um, that the building and the slicing and the dicing of that content and the leveraging of that sure. content yeah. doesn't actually do anything. They're still yeah. throwing spaghetti at the wall and hoping something sticks every so often. Yeah. Um, for those that are between a million dollars and, and $5 million, then, then the building and, and the, uh, the, the slicing and dicing really is where that, that comes into play. Sure. That makes sense. That's great. Yeah. Thank you for sort of just dissecting that and breaking it down because I think it's really yeah. valuable to, to kind of see that. Um, so let's talk now about, you know, the core question that I think that we all have in different ways, even those of us who, who may have a healthy pipeline, we didn't always have a healthy pipeline. And we know <laughs> that if we're not paying attention and if we're not cultivating it right, we don't stay focused on that. A pipeline can be very, very fleeting. Um, and so it's not something that it's not necessarily a set it and forget it. It, it needs your constant attention and, um, yeah, and yeah. effort to make sure that, 
you're always feeding it. Even if you have a system that works over time, that's great, but you still have to make sure you're monitoring and, and maintaining that system. Otherwise it will break down. Right. Um, which, is, which is not what people want to hear. No, I know. I know. <laughs> that's true. They want to hear, they want to hear that I can build it. And then the machine will just miraculously run yeah. itself. It's a good point. You're, you're hundred uh, percent right. And, um, and that, you know, we want to believe that. And sometimes we're made that promise, but we know better deep, deep down. Yeah. We know better that there's not that magic pill or silver bullet. Even if there's tremendous amount of effort to create the system, that system still has to be maintained. It's like, it's like any, any machine or any, um, any contraption. I'm thinking of a car as a simple analogy. You know, you can have a fantastic car. It runs great. But if you don't maintain it, if you don't monitor it, if you don't pay attention, there's a reason the check engine light exists, um, right? There's a reason all the sensors exist. It's because it's telling you that, you know, this thing needs to be paid attention to or maintenance hasn't been done or whatever. So uh, same thing with in your garage for a year without turning it on. It might have some problems. Correct. Absolutely. Like, That's yeah. exactly so, right. That's so exactly it's not, it's not only maintaining it, but it's it's making sure that you're doing it consistently. So I think I think you, you know, kind of as you're introducing the problem, you, you, you encapsulate it, right? If you want to have your biz dev be a tap that you can turn on and turn mm -hmm. off when you're ready for new business, then you need to be doing consistent, focused effort. Okay. And, and I get it. When you're running a small business, the idea of consistent focused effort is like, I have 17 fires to put out today. Yeah. There is no way that I am going to be able to be focused on that. My attention has to be over here, which is, <clears throat> which is when you know you've got something wrong. Because when, when the system relies deeply on a lot of effort from the principle of an organization, then it's a system that is inherently going to break. Right. Okay. Um, or it's something where, uh, the, and this is typically what we see, the organization is reinventing the wheel every time right. in order to be able to do this work. So it feels like a Herculean effort each and every time. I would even take that a step further. It is a Herculean effort. If you do it that way, it is a Herculean effort. It time. is a Herculean effort. That's true. It doesn't just feel that way. It is a Herculean effort. Um, because, you know, you got to spend all the time thinking about how we want to do this, who's going to be involved in it, what's it going to be about, like all these things. Yep. Um, and, and so really, uh, one of the things, like I said, that that's why the strategy matters is what are you going to be talking about and who are you going to be talking about them to and through what platforms? Great. And then let's build that thing so that it's easy to actually maintain Right. And then from the leveraging standpoint, the slicing and the dicing standpoint, right? That's that's where we really help our clients on an ongoing basis, month to month. It is cool from client. We need this one input from the top, one input. Okay, and the input is is really straightforward because that's all designed by the strategy and what we've decided to build and all those right. other sorts of things. One input, and then the machine kicks in, and all the stuff gets done. Yep. Right. And, and I don't know that a lot of organizations have truly experienced what's that, what that's like within their organization. Um, even if they're good at being able to do that for their clients, mm -hmm. there are usually big gaps in their ability to do that for themselves. Sure. The cobbler shoes again, like you mentioned before. Yeah, uh -huh. absolutely. Yep. Um, so let's dive into those strategies then. And, um, you know, the question that I'm sure you guys get and then I get consistently is how can I be in front of more of the right kinds of people and have meaningful conversations with them on a consistent basis. I mean, that's, right. that's the goal, right? That's the, that's the goal because the they, they know that if they can do that, assuming they have a, a, a good offer, they can do good work and they have a solid sales process, all different questions, but assuming they have check marks there, they know that those, uh, those meaningful conversations will lead to new business. So, um, However you want to approach this is fine with me, Eric. If you want to go strategy, you know, one, two, three, in terms of the three key steps, that's fine. If you think there's a, I'll kind of defer to you. What do you think is going to be the most valuable thing for us to, to focus on and dive into for the folks who are listening and watching? No, it's a great question. So let, I, I think I think keeping in mind that that statement that you began with, which is how do we have more meaningful conversations, right? right? Well, and and... This may not, again, this may not be something someone wants to hear, but 
if you want to have more meaningful conversations, you need to be meaningful. So you, you need to actually have something to say that is meaningful. Yep. If, if you were to take a really hard look at the content that you've been producing over the last year, if you were to remove your name from the content and a few of your inside baseball terms, let's say, mm -hmm. could you take that content and put it on your competitor's website and would anybody notice? Right. It's a great question. If the answer is no, then you might be prolific, but you're not meaningful. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that is a big, big difference. And this gets more complicated, the more general a person's organization is. If they are general in the sort of client that they serve, like the vertical, the industry, if they're general in the business problem that they solve, and by the way, building a website or something like that is not a business problem. You're building a website to solve a business problem. Right. Okay. Um, so the business problem that they solve, if they're not specific about that, or they can also be specific around the audience that they know really well. So for instance, we're really good helping organizations that want to talk to moms, right? And if you want to talk to moms, we know everything about moms. We know what they like, what they don't like. We know how they think. We know how they feel. We know where they spend their time. We know how they make purchase decisions, all that. That can be really valuable too. But if you've not taken the time to niche down using those three filters, at least one of them, okay, typically more than one of them. What were the three again? Specific business problem, audience? Industry. Industry. So ver ver vertical, yep. business problem, audience. Got it. Okay? Yep. So if you use those three filters uh, or apply multiple filters, you're going to be a whole lot better off because if you don't have a niche, how on earth are you going to be meaningful right. what you say? You're going to, by default, have to make your content generic. So vague and general and abstract. Yeah. Right. And where we see this problem most often with organizations is they say, well, we've got verticals. And I name three or four of them. I'm like, okay, so you've got the legs of a stool, but you don't actually have the top of a stool. <laughs> right. Yeah. So how, how comfortable is that to sit on? Right. Right. So you don't actually have a niche. What you do is you have a few areas where you've made inroads. Maybe you're getting referrals from, maybe you have some experience in, right. but there has to be a common thread then that ties those together. And typically that's the business problem or the audience. Sure. Right? Now, sure. if you've got it down to one industry that you work with and that's all you do, great. But if you're trying to run multiple verticals, you gotta you gotta add those other filters. Otherwise, again, you're right back to where you started up. We don't actually have a philosophy around this. Right. That is meaningful to these industries where they feel like we're talking to them. Yep. We're just gonna sound like every other agency coach or consultant. Yep. Yep. That makes perfect sense. That's good. So um, that, again, that, that is not easy work. I don't expect anybody to, you know, you just go like, awesome, Eric, you said it. Now I'm going to spend five minutes and boom, I'm Have done. Answer, yeah. now, now all my business problems are solved. Um, this can, some of you might be that lucky. We actually were at a conference this last week. We were helping people through this. Um, and that was exactly what happened, right? Um, Stephen was talking to uh, uh, an agency owner and the agency owner is like, man, I'm really struggling with this, this, and this. And he just said, okay, what's the common problem that you solve for all of them? And he just poof, spatted it out because he was in the zone. And Stephen was like, that. Yeah. <laughs> and the guy was like, oh my gosh, this is what I've been trying to articulate for years. But that's it. It's been years of trying to be able to do those things. So it can be really, really difficult. If yeah. you are struggling with your niche, um, there's a really great exercise that I like to, to yeah. recommend. Um, many of you may have heard of this already, um, but it is called X, Y, Z statements. So it is, we do X for Y so they can Z. Yep. All right. And if that takes you a paragraph to write, then that's a problem. Gotcha. 
you should be able to get that down into a pretty straightforward message. Well, that's just like yours. So, I mean, obviously you guys are practicing what you preach. Um, we eat yeah. our own dog food. Yep. Yep. Um, I may not get this exactly right, but um, oh, no, you're good. We, uh, we help agencies, coaches, and consultants build thought leadership and authority so they can monetize it. Right. You got it. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. You nailed it. Well, I, and, I, and I, even, I'm a good transcriber. <laughs> <laughs> and even with monetize it, right. The ultimate problem is so they can make more money, right. right so I mean, they can make that, more money. That's sure. it. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, and so the, the, those are the statements that we started with in order to be able to, to come to how we articulate and how we talk about what it is that we do. So if anybody's struggling with that, I would say that that's a good exercise to be able to do. That's great. That's great. Yeah. So, so probably for most people, the not predominant amount of time, but there needs to be serious time and effort. Like you said, this is not necessarily easy. It's not, not necessarily that epiphany moment or that eureka moment, like the person had at the conference recently. That's, that's the exception, not the rule. It's going to take some time, some effort, some, some, as one of my clients calls it headache thinking, um, I call it banging your head against the wall, but yes, same, same thing. But let's let's assume for a second that someone has a compelling X Y Z statement that they are that they have a strong level of clarity on their on their vertical on who their audience is. They've got they you know honed into their specific business problem. Now we move on into step two, which is cornerstone content, and right. this is something that I think is critically important. Again, for everybody out there, we're accepting the fact that you already know industry audience and you've got a compelling specific business problem without those just like eric said a second ago your cornerstone content is not going to be very meaningful um, right very useful but let's assume those things so now we're to the point where we're creating cornerstone content and there's some very specific ways that you all define this type of content as opposed to just content so yeah, yeah. maybe speak to that yeah so the next step after people get that that articulation down that you just talked about is being sharing helpful information consistently and i know we all hear that okay and a lot of us are going like oh i've done that well honestly you probably haven't if you haven't done that first work that we just talked about right what you shared is a lot of stuff yeah but it's all generic it's not right. meaningful in the way that it needs to be right? You're still a mile wide and an inch deep and you need to go an inch wide and a mile deep to be really meaningful. Okay. So we know that clients are looking for a couple of very specific things when it comes to thought leaders, right? They want something that's new. And by the way, it doesn't have to be new, new. It just has to be new to them. New to them. Yeah. Right. It has to be strategically relevant. I call that being able to see the mountain okay. and it has to be tactically actionable. Mm. I call that being able to pack them and give them the map to the mountain. Okay. Yep. But it's not new. You just sound like everybody else. Yep. And again, it just has to be new to them. It just has to be a new approach. The things that I'm talking with you about today, these are not new concepts. There are hundreds of books written about these things. Right. My goal is to give your audience a new way to be able to approach these problems that is different for them. Mm -hmm. right? We know work. Right. If it is new to them, they're going to go, oh my gosh, these guys obviously think differently than I do. They've consumed different concepts than I have. They approach this problem differently. I want to go learn more about what they, they have to say. Now, if I'm on this and you're going like, well, heard that, know that, know that, know that. Okay then you're probably going to go like, cool. They, they think and act and consume the same sorts of things that I do. So I need to go find someplace else mm. and that's okay. Right. Mm -hmm. All right. So, and then, and, 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 but again, the narrower you go, the deeper you go, the less likely that is to happen. Correct. Yeah, right. <laughs> so it gets, it gets a little bit easier. Um, and then with, with the, the packing for the mountain, um, if you give someone strategy, you show them the mountain, but you don't tell them how to get there or what they're going to pack. They're excited, but confused. Okay. If you have them pack tactically, but you don't show them where they're going, then what they feel is like they've done a lot of work, but they don't know why. Yeah. All right. So you have to balance both of those things when it comes to that content of being consistent and genuinely helpful. 
right? And so when we talk about cornerstone content, when we say it's got to be consistent, we mean it is coming out on a regular basis, okay? Someone can can set their clocks to it. If you're doing a podcast, it goes out every week. Yep. None, none of this, well, we didn't get to it this week. Uh-uh. Because yeah. what you're subconsciously telling all your clients is, we're inconsistent with our own work. How do you think we'll be with your work? Interesting. Yeah. Okay. And if you're consistent, you build habits in yourself, in sure. your team, and in your audience to be able to come and go like, I always come here for this because this is where it is and when it shows up. Okay. Mm -hmm. You can think of it like feeding deer. All right. So deer are in the woods all the time. They're there. We don't see them, but they're there. That's a little bit like prospects, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Hopefully now, I don't hit one of the prospects with our car though. <laughs> Hopefully not. This is true. <laughs> That's a whole different issue. No, that, 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 that metaphor is for a different, different yeah. podcast. Sorry. If, if they're ahead. crossing a country road at night out of the, yeah. out of, you know, some cornfields, then maybe there's some other issues to be worried about in general. Right. But right. Um, so, so a little bit like deer, we know that they're there. We can't see them. So if we put out some, some food, some grain once, some deer might find it. Sure. Some might not. Some squirrels, some whatever's are going to find it, right? But what happens if we start doing that consistently? All of a sudden, the deer are going to learn, oh, this is where I go. Yeah. This is where I go to get the grain. This is where I go to get the thing that I want. Now, what's interesting is this is where most people stop. This is where most business stops. And they're like, awesome. Now tackle the deer, right? <laughs> okay. And what happens is the deer goes, whoo, I'm out of here. Yeah. Right. So what you need to do is you need to start working on bringing that, that deer closer and closer and closer into what it is that you do over time. And I, I get it when you're in the throes of wanting business, the first thing that you want to do is you want to tackle every deer that you see. You want to, you want to, you want to get married to every client that walks in the door and could possibly spend money with you. Right. As crass as analogy as this is, you're kind of like the guy with the red solo cup at the party, right? Right, hitting on every girl that that moves. Mm -hmm. That's that's not what you want to do, okay? Right. As a business owner, if you're doing that, either consciously or subconsciously, you're actually reducing the effectiveness of your biz dev effort, efforts and your sales efforts. It might feel like you're actually doing it better. But all you're doing is you're putting maximum effort. That's the the that's that upside, right? Yeah. Maximum effort to something that it will work because of just sheer numbers. But by the time you get there, you can't keep that maximum effort going because it's so exhausting. Yep. Right. And so you want to be able to you want to be able to develop content that leads someone further and further into your content ecosystem because it's helpful. And before long, you can actually train the deer to be eating out of your hand. Yep. They trust you. That's the position you want to be in as a business. That does not happen in two weeks. That does not happen in two months. It takes about two years, hmm. right? And most people, when they hear that, they go, well, my problem is today. I'm not willing to yeah. Yeah. deal with that. Uh, and I'm going to put it off. Yep. Okay. Well, then in two years, you're going to be in the same position same place. today yeah. and the same position you were two years ago. Well, there's you're an interesting, interesting point here, though, that, that I, I'm going to uh, kind of put you on the spot and ask you to speak to, because okay. it seems to me that the process you've described up to this point, right? And this analogy with the deer, I think, is right on. Thanks. It's not mine. It comes from Drew McClellan of Agency Management Institute. Okay, great. So Drew's yeah. metaphor, I think this is an interesting one. It is also reasonable to assume, rightfully or wrongfully, but the, I think the assumption holds water, that certain deer, to continue the metaphor, mm -hmm. are going to trust faster than others. Amen. And so what you're saying is the system, the consistency of the system, so that you can consistently have as many or as few deer eating out of your hand as you desire, building that, doing it the right way to get to that result takes about two years, but that doesn't mean that this system takes two years to produce results. You're going right. to have some deer that are going right to come away. close to you immediate, uh, immediately, whatever that means. But so speak, yeah. speak to that because what you're suggesting is not that, not that we have to stay at zero for two years. You're simply saying to get the optimal system built, 
so that you can turn the tap on or off takes around two years. Yeah. So it's an excellent point, an excellent question, because I think that this is true for most business practices. Most of the changes that you make as a business is not flipping a switch. Right. Right. Okay. So let, let's, we'll go back to the niche thing that I talked about earlier. Okay. Mm-hmm. If you decide to niche down to a particular vertical, particular problem, particular audience, that is not saying that tomorrow all of your content changes and you never, and you fire half your clients. Okay. Yeah. If they don't fit that criteria, that's not what that means. Right. What it means is, what am I intentionally building and aiming to build in the, for the future yeah. in the future? Yeah. So what steps do I need to start putting in place now to build that future that I want to see and want to be able to experience? So for niching down, it's simply changing. Okay. What are the prospects that we're targeting? So that way we're fishing mm-hmm. people that we want. We're creating content that is designed for those that we're fishing for. doesn't mean we delete everything. doesn't mean we fire right. half the clients. Sure. And if somebody else swims into our net and they're not exactly what we're fishing for, okay, if you can do it, okay. you can right. do it profitably. Great. You're not yeah. breaking the niching down process. Yeah. Understood. But what you're doing is you're getting more and more focused over time. Okay. So the same thing is, is with the, you know, your position as a thought leader, someone might read your first, very first article and go, Oh my goodness, these guys are brilliant. I want to be able to work with them. I want to have a conversation. And by the way, we see that happen on a regular basis, mm-hmm. right? Because when, when you really do that first deep dives piece and yeah. it's meaningful, it's fresh to your audience now. Yeah. Right. And you're going to be like, Oh, I thought my audience sucked. I thought my audience didn't buy. I thought my audience just was really like low engagement. It's like, no, your, your audience is actually really ready to engage if you give them something that's worthwhile engaging with. You just needed to feed them something they wanted to eat. Right. You know, so it makes a difference. Yeah, it does. It makes a difference. You know, if you put out a, consistently a chunk of wood for the deer every day, <laughs> they're still not going to come out of the woods. Right. 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 Okay? Yeah. They got plenty of wood in the woods themselves. Already. Yeah. They're happy where they are. Yeah. And they don't want to eat it anyway, right? right. So you got you got to have something that's 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 important to them. So we do see that. But I am saying that over time, what happens is you can build this reputation, you can build this position of authority. And here's where it gets really cool. Mm-hmm. And that is you start off being an authority within your space, and you're just putting out your stuff. And then those relationships start to build. And you're like, oh, well, now I have a lot more case studies because I've got a lot more of those people who are focused on that niche. Ooh, well, that makes me a little bit more of an authority. Yep. Oh, I've met a lot more people in this industry now because developing my cornerstone content or introductions from the clients that I've had or things like that. Now I know 17 other specialists within this space. Yep. And I'm learning from them and I'm getting better at my content and we're doing joint stuff together. And those partnerships really start to blossom. Right. And now you're more of an authority in that space. It becomes critical mass. It becomes right. own, own gravity. Right. Yeah. But only if you stay consistent on that. And where a lot of business owners fail is they go, man, I have been throwing spaghetti at the wall. I've been doing this for like three months. I haven't seen a client or yeah. six months. I haven't, I haven't landed that ideal client. It's like, okay. So then ask. Are you, are you producing stuff that is meaningful enough or are you still scratching the surface? Yeah. Right. Because sometimes it takes a while to even teach ourselves how to go deeper. Yeah. If we're not used to that. All right. And then the other question is, well, how many seeds have I planted? Mm-hmm. Right. Because, okay, maybe, maybe the seeds haven't grown all the way yet, but how many seeds have I planted? Yep. And then you start going through and like, well, the milestones, I guess that I've got is I'm now finally doing consistent content. Yeah. Okay. I guess I have talked to like 20 or 30 people that are my ideal clients that just haven't purchased yet. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I guess I have started like seven conversations with strategic partners. Right. It's like, yeah, (laughs) all of that is awesome. Right. You're putting out, you're putting out the corn. Yep. Exactly. I get it. A deer hasn't come out of the woodline yet, but you've been out there every day putting out the corn. Okay. I get it. It's still getting eaten by squirrels and chipmunks and all that other sort of stuff. But you know what? There's going to be a deer that finds it because yep. you're being consistent. Yep. And if you stop, 
then literally all of that effort that you put in to begin with is wasted effort. Yeah. It, yeah. A lot of people stop three feet from gold. Yep. Yeah. I think that's a, that's an excellent reminder as well. And I think that's, that is the toughest thing is because it's so easy for us to get distracted within our business, working in our business. And we put the working on stuff, the content development, even the niching down effort, which has to happen first. We put that on the back burner and say, I'll get around to it. I'll get around to it. And the fires are never going to go out. You have to intentionally decide that in two years or sooner that you want to change the dynamic of how of how you're doing business and knowing that that's not going to happen overnight, that it's going to take an investment of time, effort, and money, presumably resources to make sure that that, that that happens uh, in two years. And then when you get there in two years and you've done that, you look back and say, I'm so glad that I made that investment. I'm so glad that I decided to change what I was doing because if I hadn't exactly like you said, Eric, I'd be same place that I was two, two years ago. Um, we're coming up on time. I, I want to. Oh yeah, this is, <laughs> I can I know, talk about flew, this forever. It, it so I totally flew by. I just glanced down. I was like, oh. <laughs> um, but this has been incredible. I have three pages of notes already. Uh, you saw me looking down and scribbling. Um, so thank you so much. We probably yeah. got to do a part two helpful. at some point in the future. Happy to. Um, but the question I always end with my interviews, a couple last questions here, but the first one is lessons learned. So personally or professionally, some of the key lessons learned, some, you know, piece of wisdom that you might share with the, those who are watching and listening today. Yeah. Two, two probably big uh, pieces of lessons learned. Um, and that is own your own platform, which is really what we're talking about here today. We're talking about building and developing and nurturing your own platform. Mm. Um, your list is the most important thing that you have in your business. If you lose all your current clients, if you got a good list, you can get more. Yep. If you lose all your employees, you can get more. Okay. But if you lose your list, everything stops. Yeah. Okay. So building that audience and that's what, an and audience that is passive is one thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so for instance, we'll just use this podcast as an example. There are a lot of people who are listening who are not on your email list. That's true. Right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that, that's okay. Like you're still being generous. You're, you're trying to help them. You're trying to make sure that they're getting the most that they have. You're putting out the corn mm-hmm. Okay. and you're doing it on a consistent basis. And when that deer is ready, they're going to go, okay, well, I want to learn a little, little bit more. And then they're going to step into your list. Yeah. Okay. And that list is really, really important. So own your platform, own your list, make that a really, really important thing. Not purchasing that list, not trying to get it through strategic, you know, partners, not all those other sorts of things. You got to own. Find a way to build your own. Yeah. Right. And then the other piece is niche faster and deeper than what you think you should. You should feel almost a little bit queasy um, about how you're niching down. And again, I'm not saying that this is flipping a switch. Right. Okay. But I have yet to find a niche that is too small. Wow. Okay. Now, admittedly, if you're aiming for, I don't know, like industrial bread manufacturers, right. There's only like four of those in the country. Maybe that's a little bit too narrow. Right. Okay. Uh, But uh, beyond that, you're going to be very hard pressed to get a niche that's too small. Yeah. Okay. And even with that, if you truly wanted a niche, even that small, as long as the business problem that you solve is truly critical, you can run a nice little business off of that. Sure. Okay. And you'll have zero competition. (laughs) Right. Yeah. You're you're creating, uh, as a marketing mentor of mine says, you're competing in a vacuum, right? Right. You're, 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 you are the one. You are Um, the one. And that's a good place to be. So niche faster and deeper um, than, than what you think you should be doing. That's, that's great. Uh, I, I know a lot of folks are going to want to learn more about predictive ROI. I, as of this recording, we're recording this at the end of May. It'll probably be released where people have access to it probably mid-June 2022. I know you guys have a, a really cool event coming up that I'm going to be attending and I'm really excited to attend. So I oh, want yeah, you to at least mention that. But for those who are just interested, who may be listening after that point, right? How can they enter into the into your world? Where can they learn more? Um, awesome. maybe, maybe they want to work with you. Maybe they have clients they want to introduce you to. What's the best way for someone to get in touch with you all? Great. 
Yeah. So I would say that there's, there's three kind of big ways. Um, uh, obviously, yeah. If you want to, if, if they want to do a 10 right fit client uh, 3.0 and, and they're uh, listening to this before then totally register. It's a great group of folks. Um, and, and we're going to be covering some, some recent experiments that we pulled out of our, our marketing lab. And we're going to be sharing those results on, on how you can uh, actually be paid for or at least be cost neutral for building your list so that's going to be super interesting um but then the other way is just go to the website predictiveroy.com mm-hmm. <laughs> which is nice and easy you can check us out right with no no strings attached there you can just cool. you can just learn a little bit more about who we are um, if you really want to get to know who we are as people mm-hmm. um, and what the community is around us uh, then i'd really recommend going to predictiveroy.com forward slash qa we do a weekly q a Three, we teach for about 10 to 15 minutes on whatever topic um, is, is relevant. And then we open it up to questions and it is always a blast. People are just great. Um, and we've, we've got a lot of people that um, that's that's kind of their, their favorite time of the week uh, is being able to take advantage of that. And then if you want to learn a little bit more about really what authority positioning is, um, we do have a, a book as well. So it's predictivaro.com forward slash free dash book. And when we say it's a free book, we actually mean it's a free book. Um, <laughs> we don't mean like, oh, then there's going to be shipping and handling or, oh, then you've got to enter in a bunch of information or, oh, you know, we're going to somehow try to like sell you some other stuff or things along those lines. Uh, go there, ask for the book. There's a Kindle version. There's a physical version and we'll send it to you. I mean, we've sent books even as far as like South Africa. Wow. Like, we, don't, we don't care. Uh, that turned into a quite a story. Uh, it was it was an epic journey for that book. Uh, <laughs> but But needless to say, any of those ways, um, I would recommend. I think that they're super helpful. Admittedly, I'm a little bit biased, um, but but I think that those are those are great ways where you can either get to know what we do, get to know who we are, or get to know really uh, deeply the philosophy and the strategy uh, around what it is that we do when we teach. That's pretty well. That's awesome. Listen, thank you for that. I know that um, I'll be diving into some of those resources, and I know that other folks will be yeah. as well. So. Thank you so much for your expertise. Again, I got some I got some work to do on my end. I know we'll be talking more, which I'm looking forward to. And uh, really, again, thank you for your time, your generosity, and your expertise today. Eric. Absolutely, Scott. I hope this was useful for you. I hope this was useful for your audience. Um, and if there's any way that I can be helpful to, to you or them, just let me know and we'd be happy to help. Sounds good. I appreciate it. Okay. Everyone, thank you all for joining us. As always, for Consulting with Authority, this is Scott Cantrell wishing you all the best of success. Thank you for listening. I hope you got a ton of value out of this episode. And before we go, I want to thank the sponsor of our show, Smart Solutions Media. Smart Solutions Media empowers business owners, consultants, and other independent professionals to easily attract better prospects and transform them into long-term clients. If you're a B2B consultant or service professional and would like to start filling your pipeline with better quality prospects, visit us on the web at smartsolutionsmedia.com to learn more about what we can do to help you. Be sure to complete this short two-minute accelerated growth scorecard you can find on the website and you'll receive a complimentary strategy session where we'll give you specific insights and recommendations to help you attract high-value clients. Until next time, make sure you are consulting with authority.